Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. start recording and get us in here and uh, we'll welcome everybody Tom Miller here this is our second session of win every day and uh, boy what a great week it seems like it was more than a week ago that we were all uh, together but it but it's <laughs> but it's been a week and I enjoyed reading back through uh, the first uh, couple of sections of the book and going back through my notes and adding and you know diving so 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 great to have you, Katie. Let me make you the co-host here so you could help out. And Benny and Chad and Vanessa. We got some folks on their iPhones listening, hopefully on their car ride back, being safe. And so, um, you know, that you know that first session, Katie. You, you know, you may have some, you know, thoughts around it. And as I, you know, dive into the um, to the school leadership, you know, Facebook page. And, and, you know, see there, you know, there's some really great, you know, comments in there. Um, uh, there's a woman, Mary Luz Janeo. I'm not sure if that's, hopefully I didn't butcher that name, but, you know, she said, reading win every day this morning, adding new depths to my philosophy when consulting with a district. And it was, um, uh, don't expect it until you've taught it. And wow. if you expect it, then in, inspect it. Uh, you know, because, and she's got three great points here. It says, you may grossly underestimate someone simply because you didn't give them the opportunity to learn. Mm. You teach people how to treat you by showing them what you expect from them. And people know what is really important to you by the focus of your evaluation. I mean, I just, I just really, really love that. And, um, and it was just, you know, great to see, uh, you know, other folks, there's just, you know, lots and lots of comments in there um, about what they're taking away from this book. I know during our inner circle uh, today, it was probably referenced about a half a dozen times in one of the, you know, one of the groups as well. And, and you know, and I just think about my just first week takeaways. I mean, here, here, here were my notes, right? Clarify your vision. Understand what success looks like. Know what brings you success. Excel at execution, avoid being busy, raise my awareness to what is creating that sense of feeling overwhelmed. And, and I'll tell you what, those last two, avoid being busy and raise my awareness to what is creating that sense of feeling overwhelmed. Oh, I raised my awareness, all right. I was gulping. <laughs> <laughs> there was many, many days I was just absolutely gulping. But the great thing is, is that, is that as long as you're gulping, that means you're still breathing. Right. That's what John Maxwell, I think, uh, you know, told us during one of those um, uh, sessions here. So um, would love to hear other people's, you know, first first week reflections, uh, what you're learning from uh, the book. And, you know, Katie, if if you don't mind, you know, kicking us off and then we'll hop right into the hop right into the uh, study guide. Yeah. So two points, you know, that whole chestnut checkers, I think, is always a uh, I've heard other people say that, but the way he framed it with these two statements, progress always requires change because every team I've ever been on, uh, there have been people who are like, but that's not how we've always done it and they don't want to change. Um, so you have to, you have to, before you want to make a change, anticipate that response and come up with your response because it's never going to be great on the fly. But if you think it through and you know your team and you know what's worrying them, um, and then you can anticipate your response, it, it might not be perfect, but at least it will, uh, it'll be personalized and tailored to your team. And then the other one is execution is the thing. And, and that is so true. Every time I have a new project, I find myself kind of delaying getting started because I don't know where to get started, but I, time and time again, like when I've written a book or when I've, when I opened a school or whenever I'm doing a big project, 
I just have to get started <laughs> and then I have to execute and then I find the way. So even if I don't know what I'm doing, I have to get started. So, and that's what chess is all about, right? Is you, you have to commit. Yeah. Yeah. Great job with those two really good two, you know, strong points. And as you were talking about um, knowing everybody, like it makes me think of our disc uh, profile, right? The Maxwell method of disc. And if you've taken any, you know, level of disc, I mean, it's all the same, but, but it really, it really forces you if you read it, right? If you actually read it and you start to pay attention, it forces mm -hmm. you to see things in yourself and see things in other people. One of the books that I'll, you know, recommend for us, you know, down the road, I started reading is the, is the workplace love languages. I started reading that over the weekend and it's really powerful talking about um, if you get our daily um, email, I put, you know, something out about, about, you know, morale and, and, you know, people leaving because they don't feel valued. And if you really think about it, uh, you know, we talked about this during our inner circle today, every job I've ever left was mainly because at one point I felt undervalued. Right. I wasn't clear of my role. I didn't clear, you, you know, I, you know, I was, I was just felt like an, an employee and that's not good for anybody. Right. I mean, nobody loves just, you know, feeling like you're just, you know, part of the, um, I don't know. I'm not sure of a proper way to say it. Just like a, like a part of the line, right. Just, you know, kind of do your job and that's it. And there's lots of leaders that we work with that that is their mentality Well, they're getting paid or they're getting this. And it's not about, you know, being paid. That's not, that's not the big thing. I mean, you, you know, folks want to be compensated for their time, but they also want to be part of something special. You know, they right. really want to be uh, part of something special that, and they understand their role to the goal. So I love those two points that you, that you pulled out. So excellent. And Vanessa commented, uh, you mentioned awareness earlier about, you know, you have to be aware of where you are before you can grow. And she, um, she said the disc was great for me to identify areas for growth. And I love the disc because it, when I took it, I was like, oh man, that is me. <laughs> uh, too bad for the rest of the world. I need to work on this. So I, it's a right. really good awareness tool because I had no idea how I was being perceived uh, by the rest of the world. So I, I have, I have, I still have growth areas. <laughs> every day. And that's a great, that, that is every, I mean, it's every day, right? Every day you're just trying to get a little bit better than what I was yesterday. And that's it. And, but if you're not, you know, paying attention to that, then you're not going to get much different, right? You'll just continue to get the same result that you've always had. And maybe that's okay. You know, it's not okay for most people, but that's how some, you know, folks live. So, would love to hear anybody want to you know um, open up their mic and and you know share in on their first week's kind of aha moments or anything that you tried differently anything that you failed at which is which is awesome let's you know celebrate failure as much as we celebrate you know success too they're shy today tom it's okay. It's just okay. Well, let's just talk about so those three uh, questions that we left off with, right? So I'm on page three of our study guide, around page 25 of the book or so. Uh, what part of our organization is being overwhelmed based on poor execution in another area? And I didn't have enough room to write here, Katie. I ju I, I just could have just keep writing, you know, writing and writing. Not not just with my current, you know, uh, business, but my but my uh, personal life. And then also, you know, lots of the schools that we work with. But then I started thinking about me as a principal, like I was just running around, you know, and just mm -hmm. constantly putting out fires. And I definitely wasn't spending the time going back and, you, you know, uh, finding out what the accelerator was, right? You know, what was the accelerant or who, who was the accelerant that may have, you know, created that, you know, fire. I was just trying to get through every day. So, um, you know, for for you as a school leader, did you have a uh, like an example of what of what you know might have been what are the parts of your organization were feeling overwhelmed because of poor execution in another area? Oh sure, I have lots of examples, but the one that comes <laughs> to mind is you know I did what so many principals do. I went to a conference, heard an idea. And then I went to mm -hmm. my team and said, hey, guess what we're going to do? And it was a lot yeah. of work on their part. And I thought suck it up buttercup this is what we need to do to get better 
but I did nothing to get them on board to see if it was realistic, to see if it's really what we needed to do. And it completely failed. So it was a complete wash. Um, so yes, I, <laughs> I, so would I you say know. the wash was from, so what would you say that was from? Was that from a lack of ability to communicate like the strategy of how we were going to get there? You, you know, you said getting buy-in so that, you know, it sounds like a part of it, right? getting mm -hmm. buy-in and uh, communicating that. So what would you, when you say it was a wash, like what was, what was it, what was the root cause of this? They didn't see the need for it. So it seemed like mm -hmm. busy work. And so I needed to communicate to them the problem that I wanted to solve, which was I, I had an excellent group of teachers and I wanted to make sure that we could benefit from their expertise and create you know, uh, create a curriculum guide that we could use from year to year. And, and so I should have said, hey, this is what I'd like to create, because we had a curriculum guide, but it wasn't great, you know, and what they were actually doing in the classroom was great. So I wanted to be able to capture it. So I want I if I would have just gone to them and said, hey, you know, you guys are doing a really great job, and how can we capture that, then they would have been all over it. But instead, I took this this other principal did this other thing. And so I just took what she did. And, um, and so my team pushed back, like my hardest workers didn't show up and their work was sloppy and they never did that kind of work before. Um, and I was so mm. in the weeds that I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't pull the plug soon enough. Yeah. And probably, you know, a normal, you know, that's a normal, you know, challenge and issue, right? I mean, that, you know, happens often. I think about, you know, the schools, you know, two of the schools I'm working at right now, that a lot of their current issue comes from uh, poor execution of the schedule, right? And the poor communication at the start of the year. Now they're halfway through the year and it's like, gosh, how do we, how do we transition? How do we move all these kids? You know, how do we, you know, how do we do all these things? And, and they're just, you know, stuck in this, like, you know, box, and they just can't find the way out of the box. And, and, you know, I think, and what's interesting to me is watching them and listening to them. No one's really asking questions about like, well, how did this happen? And how do we make sure it never happens again? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I keep thinking on the outside is like, I feel like we've had this conversation 15 times now. <laughs> it's just constant, you know, plugging in, you know, the holes. And, and this is important now, um, the same level of thought that created the problem cannot be the same level of thinking that solves the problem. Yeah. You've got to look at it from a different angle. And so when you had this next you know, question, do I have the right people in the right positions? Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, like that's, that's huge. And that, you know, to me, I'm like, well, there's one of the, of the uh, problems, right? All these all these things that you're probably dealing with, you know, lack of execution, they're symptoms of a bigger problem. And I would definitely say for this organization, and, you know, particularly that I'm thinking about having the right people in the right positions, not just person in the right position, it's people in the mm -hmm. right positions. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, how do you, how do you do a better job of identifying, you know, people in those types of positions? And, you know, one thing that I really love um, that they talk about here, you know, in this book, and if you listen to uh, Donald Miller, who has a business made simple and, you know, story brand, he's like, look, every single person on our team has a key responsibilities. It's a one pager, right? We all have clarity in the goals that we're trying to get to. And everybody has a clear understanding of what is my job to get to that. And then he says, then we train that person specifically on only the things that are on that one sheet of paper, right? And I think about that in like education, sometimes we get so big and broad, like we ask people to do so many darn things and they're doing all this work. And you know what they're usually not doing, Katie? Like lessons. What they planning. were hired to do. <laughs> well, just what they were, right, just what they were hired to do, right? We spend so, you know, so much time handling other stuff. Uh, yeah. That we don't always get a lot of, you know, like the main key times to really focus on what our job is. And sometimes we avoid it. Sometimes we avoid what our job is because maybe it's just too hard and we don't want to face it. And it's much easier, Katie, <laughs> for me to come over and help you with your problem than oh, me yeah. solve my own problem. Oh, yeah. So, 
And that's called uh, co co uh, collaboration through co collaboration. Really, it's just you know, <laughs> getting stuck in a vortex. And next thing you know, we're both there. You know, seven o'clock at night, and we're like, neither of us solved our problems. But hey, you and I are closer together, and um, we've you know dealt with that. That's that collegial, co that comfortable collegiality where we're right. where we'll help each other, but we won't say. Hey, you got to get better at that. Hey, you, you know, you know, you're not, you know, you're not hitting the mark, or you're not, you know, hitting your timeline. So, um, would love to hear from you know anybody who's you know willing to show you either raise your hand or put it in the chat box. Like when you went through these three uh, questions, this was your homework. What part of organization is being overwhelmed based on poor execution? Do I have the right people in the right positions? And have they all received the right training and demeanor, right? Have the right demeanor to be successful based upon what I'm asking them to do. Another thing that just, you know, came uh, to mind, you know, we've got some charter school principals in this group and maybe there's some private school leaders. And usually in a district school, you know, you, you know, you may not have to deal with this, you know, much. So bear uh, with me for a second, but, you know, charter schools enrollment for next year is starting, right? The open enrollment. And we're always surprised that like when a school says on first day, man, we fell 70 kids short of our goal. I'm not really sure that, how, you know, how that happened. How could you not be sure how that happened? <laughs> like right. that's the most important thing is that you make sure kids are showing up on day one because that's how you start your, that's how you start your revenue. And it's like, so, so we, you know, built them. We even built them a book and say, just follow the steps of this book. Here's 10 easy steps, right? Just execute the 10 steps. And you'll know exactly how many kids should be showing, and they still don't do it. I just, it just really makes me think, right? That's just another part, right? So what are those key parts of your school? And enrollment is a big one if you're a private school or a charter school. And, and, and what needs to be executed to be able to get there? Well, Jones, Jones, Jones got Jones some stuff here. Go for it. Yeah. So, you know, just thinking about, um, you know, this goes back to, you know, what Miller was talking about. You know, the, the leader must focus on the process, right? So going back to enrollment, you have to first think about what is the enrollment process at our school and get that clear in your head. And then you have to find the right people and train them, right? You, you know, so you can't just say, okay, now this is your task. You, they have to know what to do. And what I found is they sometimes will give the task to somebody who has no idea how important <laughs> enrollment is. They have no idea that if you don't have students in chairs you can't find you can't pay your teachers you can't keep the lights on so you have to you have to let them know how important the task is right um i so, think this conversation goes like this right it's like hey you've got some spare time right um hey why don't you why don't you take this you know enrollment <laughs> thing on and it happened to us right you know we you know jeff uh, gorski who was a teammate for ours for you know two or three years here and he knew how much it pained me to do the finance stuff. It was the biggest thorn in our side. Well, he, you know, took this on, you know, trying to learn like the, like how to be like a finance uh, director of a small business and reconciling and all these things. And I was happy to give it to him because I was like, I don't have to deal with it. But you know what? Cash is the oxygen of which every organization grows on. And I wasn't paying attention to the important stuff. I let someone who's underprepared, who has a big heart, to help out instead of like, you know, I hired your husband instead, right? Who's just a black and white, this is how it goes. You're gonna do this, Tom. And we've had extreme results because we put a person in a position that at first probably wasn't, you know, definitely wasn't comfortable for me because he held me accountable, <laughs> right? And sometimes we, we have to be careful that we surround ourselves with individuals that are good for comfort, but they're not always great for execution. So really, really pay attention to the people that you put in charge of some of these projects because are you doing it because that's in their wheelhouse and it's their strength and you know they're going to kill it? Or are you doing it because, you know, they you know volunteered or they just happened to not have as many things on their plate, which should be an indicator right away if they don't have, if they somehow have a lot of extra time on their hands. Yeah. Uh, right there, looking, right? Looking at the quality of the work. And I know my husband doesn't always <laughs> keep you comfortable in the finances, but that's why you hired him because he will that's say, right. um, what, like, we need to think about, go through your thinking there, Tom. And that's what you want on your team. You want the people who will push mm -hmm. back because I know not all of my ideas are golden. You know, so I knew when Tom's like, Katie, let's think through that. You know, is that gonna, you know, is that gonna help the people the way you think it's going to? Um, so what about the rest of you? 
what do you all, you know, what kind of conversations have you had on your team or who do you need on your team to help you be the best? I'm going to um, mute. Uh, this is Benny. And uh, one of the things I looked at was um, a part of the organization that was overwhelmed. I was really pushing um, collaboration. Um, uh, last year was my first year uh, as principal and I was really pushing collaboration. However, I didn't set the atmosphere for, uh, well, they had been, the trust level with the staff was was kind of waning. And I, I was like, come on, let's collaborate, let's do the same, let's break down the silos. However, the, the atmosphere wasn't wasn't set for for trust. And collaboration without trust is, is, is kind of kind of hard to happen. Uh, yeah. So what we had to do was to take a step back. Um, I talked my culture crew, we took a step back and we looked at some things and uh, really uh, facilitated some experiences where trust was able to develop authentically uh, and, and it wasn't staged it was some real conversation um, having you know discussions about you know mis uh, misrepresentation of some people uh, misinformation um, and and it was a really it was a uh, we had tears and boxes of tissue and it was great um, but then you know we began to see uh, the, the collaborative spirit start to rise and and, and it, it did help me identify that I had some people not in the right position um, and, and over and what their needs were. Uh, and, and, and it was being a, another transparent moment. Uh, they wanted to be in that position, but they wanted to trust me to say, hey, look, can you give me the opportunity to train and to learn the position before you move on to someone else? So it was a really good time to uh, be able to have. And, uh, and again, that, that's those are those two questions. I didn't answer the third, but uh, that is uh there's some things going on my way. Yeah. Thank yeah, you, Benny. and there's there's one thing I know. Yeah, that was great. I love your vulnerability and your transparency. Um, everybody's going to rise to the level of their training. Everybody. So if you're trying to pull off an initiative, and you're not going to like look, this happens a lot. Schools buy the program and they buy the you know books for the kids maybe or they don't buy enough books for the kids and there's not enough and then kids are sharing books or then they don't buy the training for the staff or they don't buy the answer keys for the staff and i'm like whoa 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 like like that's like that's like trying to solve all the world's problems with you know you know no like tools right you you want to be you want to be christopher columbus with with a gps as a leader, right? You want, like, you want to say, "Hey, here's everything you need. Here's the training program that we're going to get you to go." That, like, that's. But we, and I don't know why we don't do that. Kay. I don't know why that happens so often, where we just like assume that somehow, you know, teachers are going to be able to figure it all out. Well, if they were able to figure it out, they probably wouldn't be in the teacher seat. No, like, offense. They would probably be writing curriculum for you know, Hugh Mifflin or something else, but, but, but we asked them to do these amazing things and a lot of them are really good. And, but then they wear out, you know, and then, and then, you know, we lose them. And Alicia said, yeah, probably money. Right. And that's why it's, it's, it's always important. Like when we talk about owning your numbers, like the first number that you need to look at as a school leader is, is your cash. Right. And every school has a different, you know, way of, you know, looking at it and, and uh, receiving it. And, you know, charter schools have a little bit more uh, flexibility, you know, maybe with their spending than, than, you know, some of the district schools. But, you know, I mean, gosh, when I was a district school uh, teacher, you, you know, you'd open any, you know, closet and you would have, you would just have like the programs would fall on top of you, right? All the things that were unopened or unused or all the old textbooks. And it's just like, wow, how did this happen? Lack of clarity and execution, right? We tried this program, we spent this money, it didn't work for us, so we're just going to go to something else instead of, well, why didn't it work for us? Did we do everything we were supposed to do? Did we have the right people in the right positions? Like, you know, um, you know, did it make our highlight real, right? That's, you know, that's the bottom of page three. Like, what's our, what's our highlight reel, you know? Awesome. Who else, who else would like to share it? You know, anything on page three or any, any reflections? I would love to hear it. If anybody has a highlight reel or, or, you know, took the time to, to walk through, you know, Katie, I had us, you know, you know, again, teaching around the globe, that's our highlight reel, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, being able to develop new uh, principles 
and and to globally you know globally support you know leadership you know create teams and and really help you know teachers execute their long-term you know goals by also you know ensuring that you know schools really make the impact that they uh desire to do you know but when i think about a school's highlight reel what's the what's on it what are some things that are on a school's highlight reel? but either put it in the chat box or unmute yourself What was hey, on your highlight reel at Veritas? Oh, oh, hey, hey, Beatrice, oh, so great to you on. <laughs> How you doing? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, our school, well, has has made lots of improvement throughout these past three years, and mm -hmm. uh, one of the areas I do want to highlight, and we are uh, continuing to make progress, is in the area of understanding. Well, I'm sorry. Let me, I, I. So team, I work at a, a charter school in downtown Durham, and I've been an office assistant uh, slash lead interpreter translator at the school. So I've been in this dual role position for about four years. And one of the areas where uh, I've had to uh, take lead, but also win the heart of my team is in the area of bringing uh, understanding to, to everyone there is understanding the role of an interpreter. Uh, and that really helped. So we, we did a PowerPoint uh, during a PD day and walked the teachers through a, you know, what the process entails, but also it sets the bar for all of us as bilinguals in the school of how to conduct a session so that that session is done uh, successfully because we don't want our parents to leave the session with doubt or any misunderstanding. Uh, so that was a, a great accomplishment there. And so now we're at the point where, because that's my area of focus at the school, is that um, making sure that now we are uh, consistent, like in, in when I'm working on trying to meet on a monthly basis and discuss, okay, let's talk about ethics. What did you encounter during the session? Let's like share with one another. And, um, and that also has allowed me to uh, walk in humility, just walk humbly, right? Walk humbly and, and uh, be open to my team because we have there people there that are strong in, in areas, right? So I just wanted to highlight that and um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I love, uh, Beatrice, that you, that you included your highlight was, was the work, right? You're highlighting kind of how the sausage is made there, right? The hard conversations, like when I think yes. about, you know, Katie and I, you know, highlight reel, like, you know, we get a chance to speak across the globe because we spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, like when I say one-on-one -on -one time, that's me and a, and a wall, right? And Katie and a wall, we're practicing our talks and we're reading and we're doing content and we're out there, you know, learning. So part of your highlight reel, as they talk, talk about the book, needs to be what's the work? What's the work that you're doing to, to you know, get that end, that end reward? And, and Healthy Start Academy, I mean, over the last, you know, three years, I mean, you've almost doubled your enrollment, you raised your, your, your overall score from an F to a C, yes. um, and just really, really crushing it and, and, and really made a difference in that Durham community with, um, with you know, students of all you know, races, nationalities, and backgrounds. So it's really great in a very short time, right? But a lot of that came yes. from clarity in the vision and like yes. extreme execution. I, I know your head of school, Alex uh, Quigley. He's he's all about executing. So uh, there, <laughs> yes, and a lot of a lot of conversations around it. Yeah. So maybe you can give mm -hmm. us some examples of it. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll try to get Alex on one of these calls and tell us what is, you know, what is communicating execution sound like? Because uh, I know he'd be great at it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank That's you. Tom. Awesome. Yeah. Always great to see you. And Joan, Joan's got in here, Joan uh, Roman, she's got uh, rapid growth and strong teams at, at, you know, grade level. So that, so that will be on our highlight reel, right? So, so that's what, that's what, you know, we want to, and remember part of your job as a leader is to also paint the picture of, of, of what the future could be. If you all know, you know, you may not all realize this, uh, but if you've ever walked into a dark room, and got the feeling that someone was in the room, and this just happened to me recently. You know, Katie, I always you know share this story, and Katie laughs at me. But I was walking down the hallway of the school, like I was there like at nine or ten o'clock at night, and it was pitch black. And I started to get like, you know, fear, like fear started to rise up, you know, my spine. And I had to stand up against the wall. And go, there's nobody here, right? There's nobody here to get me. And I had to kind of 
bring myself in. And that's really because your imagination has no understanding of what's reality and what's not. So a big part of your highlight reel is just, hey, what would our school look like if it's working at its highest level? What would that highlight reel be? You know, happy students, collaboration, right? High engagement, good asking questions, right? Kids, kids doing the right thing because it's just, that's what we all should just do, right? I mean, whatever that is at your school that you're trying to get to, part of your job is to paint the picture of that highlight reel, but then also show the highlight reel of well, what work is it gonna take, you know, to get there? What conversations are gonna have to happen for us to get there? What changes do we have to make, not only from a program standpoint, but most importantly from a people standpoint, because we just, we just might have some folks that just need to kind of slide over, right? And they've got a lot of intellectual property, and so that's not, they're not out of the picture, they're just in a different picture. They're still in the frame, they're just maybe sitting to the edge of the table, not maybe in the middle of the table, whatever it may be. But that's a big part of to get from here to there is understanding, um, uh, which is on the top of the next page. He says, if I don't make the right choices, my team never will. Mm -hmm. If I don't make the right choices, my team never will. I mean, you got to model the way, show the way. You got to do the hard things and you have to do them timely and you have to do them as, 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 as well as you can. And when you mess up, you got to fess up. And you just got to keep going forward, right? So I love this question because it always is a, is a long list for me, Katie. Where do I need to begin making different choices to better model the way for our team to win? And for me, it was especially delegate and empower and say no. Like saying no is hard for me. I'm, I'm, I'm working on this, but we don't have to say yes or even maybe to it, you know, to, to like anything. <laughs> it's just lots of times. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll try that. I'll do that. And, uh, and I know that that, you know, going back to what parts are overwhelming, which hurt, hurt execution, my inability to say no hurts the execution of our overall organization. And that's a, that's a Tom Miller problem. That's not a Katie right now problem. That's not a Jen Miller problem. That's not all the other, you know, folks that help us. That's my inability. Uh, to not to not be focused on what to say yes to, and so I don't know if there's other leaders out there that also you know maybe struggle with that, um, right? And you know, Kate, you kind of brought it on when you said every staff meeting, right? That you know that was a new thing we were working on. You know, that day, whatever article you read, or hey, we're going to do this. I mean, that's a big part of it too. You were probably tiring out your people, right? They were getting a little, oh, yeah, you know, tired of Katie. They're like, what else is she going to put on us? Well, you know, it, it, it was the blind bowling that was in the book where the boys had to bowl and they couldn't see how many pins they knocked down, but they were told to keep playing. And that's what I was doing mm. to my staff. I was just like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to raise our report card grade from a C to a B and we're just going to keep going, keep going. We're going to use this program and this program. And, and they couldn't, there was no measure of success as we went along. And I just right. burnt them out. Just like the kids, they're like, we don't want to play anymore because you want to see how many pins you knock down. <laughs> I was. Everybody wants to know that, yeah, that they're making progress. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. I was at a Fresh Take conference years ago, and I heard the speaker say, it's the difference between using buckshot and a laser focus. Mm. We throw stuff out there. That's the buckshot. So it's being laser targeted on what you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, because once you know what works, that's when you start, you know, firing the cannonballs too. I think, you know, Jim Collins had that in his, you know, good to great as they would test little things. And once you know what works, pour all your time and energy into that. But if you're not measuring what, what you're, you know, working on, or if you're not, you know, taking notice of improvement, how do you know what to focus on too, right? So great, great plays or plans are worthless without great execution. And so if you watched any of the football games, you know, you know, yesterday, and if you're a, a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm really sorry, but the first play of the game where the snap went 10, 10 yards over the head of the quarterback and rolled into the end zone uh, and the other team got a touchdown on it, you know, that was, that was very poor execution, you know, right there. And, and so they may have had the greatest play, you know, plans or, 
or if you watch the Bears game, which I'm a Bears fan, which is it just hurts my heart to say it out loud, but but just over and over and over again, one guy missing his play or one guy jumped off sides. Like it doesn't matter, you know, how great the the the, the whole entire plan is. If one person on a team doesn't know their role or doesn't execute their role, it really makes, you know, things. And Joan, you had put a comment, you said great, you know, leadership teams in some areas, right? So it's like, it's like, gosh, if I could just get my third grade team as good as my fifth grade team, well, maybe I'll take someone from my fifth grade team and I'll move them, right? Then you just start, you know, shifting people around and that always doesn't work either. So but the where do is, we have we great... Are, are yeah, we go. coaching those teams to get to the greatness of the team? So it's not just saying yeah. oh, this team is not working. Now, if you coach them and there's no progressive change, that's a different conversation. You know. But do we even know what greatness looks like? Have we ever communicated what a great team would look like? What a great grade level team would look like? Would I know? I never knew as a teacher. Never, never had that conversation. I never even, you know, I mean, it probably wasn't until my fifth or sixth year until I even understood what great lesson execution was. That's really because I followed a script. <laughs> I was like, oh, these kids are learning. What's going on here? Um, <laughs> so where do we have great plans but poor execution? What, what are some of the areas? Um, and I wrote, I wrote a note to myself, my head has great plans but I have poor execution from a, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. Like everything seems very clear and obvious to me, but when I try to get it out, whether it's on your know, paper or to communicate it out, it doesn't always come out, you know, great. So that's part of the issue right there. It's not, you know, being able to, to get those, you know, thoughts into a, an executable strategy. Cassie says great ideas, but not enough time. All right. Mm -hmm. So could the not enough time be that like you don't have extreme focus on what's what's working? Like what's you know causing the time piece? I think that's that's always something for you know a leader to look at. It's the only way we're all equal in life is the same amount of time. But teachers who walk out the door as soon as the bell rings or as soon as mm. their day is over, they're out the door. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, or even worse, like I was a principal of a year-round school, and I was the only one there over the over the like intercession break. So I was like, well, I can't plan by myself. You know, they were all out, <laughs> and I just felt like it made me feel. Um, I'm, what's the word, Katie? How did it make me feel? Like it made me feel like, come on, like doesn't anybody care about these you know, kids as much as I do, right? Yeah. A little bit of dissension. You know, you guys get to go take your break and I'm and I'm here laying on the floor like with index cards trying to figure out, you know, next year's schedule or whatever it may be. Yeah, feeling yeah. isolated and unappreciated. Isolated, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so how do we so how do we how do we start to flip that, right? How do we first identify um whether our plan is great? How would we know? What's an indicator that a plan's working? You're meeting Anybody? your goals. You've set some goals and you're meeting them. Oh, okay. Yeah, Make, someone else agreed making with progress, you said, right? Yeah, you're making progress. Yeah. So, so if you're part of the Facebook group, like you know that I had a horrible execution with my weight loss plan. Now, I weighed myself on Friday and I was 3.8 pounds less right so that's feedback that's positive feedback that the things that i did from friday to friday worked right now i have to remember what the heck did i do <laughs> what what were those things that i did right maybe there's like like the folks that eat the same food every day and that's exactly how they know okay so progress towards right having that clarity and vision so this is important if you guys are catching this the only way to know if your plan's working is to know where you want the plan to take you Right, so if you've got a GPS in your car, and if you were driving, and for some reason, like your estimated time for arrival keeps getting longer and longer and longer, I'm 
I'm going to guess you're not heading in the right direction, right, Katie? Or there's there's something impeding your progress if you're getting there's some there. traffic or there's something going on, and that certainly mm -hmm. happened to me. But yeah, you have to you have to set goals. You have to define what mastery looks like and go look for mm -hmm. it. Make sure it's happening. Yep. Go look for evidence. Yeah. Good. Right. Yeah, and just keep on keep on doing it. And if there's something in your plan that's not getting you the results, you know, kill it. It's okay to kill your plan. Never sacrifice the goal for the plan, right? Marry the goal, date the plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a big part of it, right? Knowing knowing where it's working, and then and then when you're looking at it, make sure that you say, is this is this a plan problem? Or is this an execution of the plan problem? That's important. Because mm -hmm. then if it's an execution of the plan problem, then you have right either the wrong person in the right spot or it's a training issue. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people blame, you know, programs all the time. I don't know why any every plan works. I mean, honestly, every weight loss plan will work. Every every reading plan will work. I mean, kids will if you follow the plan, they will learn to read. I mean eventually they'll get there. So what about here? Is there anywhere in your, in your organization that the opposite is true, where you have great execution with no plan? <laughs> where do you have, have great execution with no plan? Go ahead. We have a question from Chad. Sometimes I ask the question to myself, does my passion slash plan coincide with my staff? If not, I need to figure out what his or her passion is and communicate it. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Chad. I mean, we we fall in love with plans, everybody. Just, you know, think about how much time and effort that you spend on strategic planning. Whether it's, you know, skinny strategic planning or big, you know, uh, strategic planning. I remember when I was in a school system, every Wednesday we sat around and we had our school improvement team meeting and we'd sit around and we'd write all these things on a piece of paper. And then, you know, the plan would just go in a, in a file folder, right? We never talked about the plan or the goal. And so you have to be really, really, you have to like, everything should fight for its life to get on your agenda. Everything should fight for its life to like be part of your goal achieving. If right, that's why I think me, you have to, yeah. you have to, you know, goals should be serious and you should have them posted, right? Because you, yes. you know, if goals are quickly adopted, they're quickly abandoned, right? If you haven't taken the time <laughs> to, <laughs> to really like commit to it and say, yes, you know, I'm going to, this is what we're going to do. And you have the team rallying around it and you have metrics for success, then you're gonna get there. But you know, you have to talk about it every day. You have to talk about it tirelessly. What Pat Lynchoni says, you have to talk about something seven to eight times. Like if your team's not sick of hearing about it, you have not communicated enough about it. Yeah, Mark, uh, Mark Miller in this book, you have to communicate tirelessly. Because in, uh, you know, people ask me what that is. I mean, tirelessly, like over, over, like, if they say like, oh, I'm tired of you saying that, you still haven't said enough times. Katie, I want to make sure that we got that quote right. You said goals that are not adopted are quickly abandoned. Is that what you said? Goals, goals that are, that are quick, quickly adopted are quickly abandoned. Oh, goals that are quickly adopted are quickly abandoned. Right. So if you're yeah. like, yeah, that's right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose 15 pounds by June. Yeah. You know, and you're like, yes, I'm gonna do it, and then you know you don't write it down yeah. like i have a on it my planner i have a personal to-do list where i have how many steps i'm going to walk every single day and i have to check that off every day i still have yep. i still have 2500 steps to go today <laughs> <laughs> so this is all part of this you know uh, pursue mastery conversation right it, it, and so mastery is a level of skill in which three things are true he says on page 40. the desired behavior is consistent execution is flawless and behavior is second nature now let's just look at that first bullet desired behavior is consistent
most of you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering gambling addict. And when I was trying to think of this, like, what is, you know, what is something that I would say where I've been most consistent at? And the only thing I could really think of was not gambling. And it's been, you know, since February 12, 2006. And because, and I thought through this, the uh, desired behavior was consistent every day. I haven't gambled. Like, was that, you know, 365 days? It's like, what, like 5,800 days? Like 5,800 days in a row, I haven't gambled. That desired behavior is consistent. Here's, here's what's really crazy, everybody. On a teacher salary, you know, making 30000 a year, like, I was gambling every day for 10 years, five to $5,000. Now, for most of you, that sounds like he's insane. And the answer is yes, I was. But could you imagine if I said, I never imagined a day in my life without gambling? I never imagined a day where I could not gamble. I didn't have the uh, desired behavior to not gamble. I didn't know what it looked like. So I know that's a very giant kind of, you know, other side of the spectrum, but do your teachers have a desired behavior that is consistent? Do they know what the desired behavior is? I mean, that was really evident to me as I was, you know, reflecting on this again this morning, Katie. I was like, when have I ever been consistent? And that's probably the most consistent thing I've ever done in my life, you know, besides breathe, um, because that's just, you know, required. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that has keep to on happen. Living. Yeah. Yeah. And so well, that's really, how when really people curious. have said yeah. when people have said, Katie, how have you written four books? And I'm like, it's real easy. You get up every day and write five hundred words. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In ten ten days you have five thousand words. Right? <laughs> you know, and I and and that by the end of it I have a book. Now, is it a good book? That's a different question. But can I write a book? Yeah. And so if you want your teachers, you can't just say, you know, we need to be in a school because they don't know how to get there. So you have to create the plan that they have to, they have to do every single day. I mean, I used to work with this teacher who would talk about how one, how well her students were going to do on the end of course test when I was a high school teacher, but she was late for work every single day. And I, it was during my planning period. So I'd have to go cover her kids. So they'd miss half the class. I would say two, three times a week, they were missing half their class. So there was no way they were gonna do well in the end of course test, but she, so she didn't know how to get to greatness. Um, you know, and that was, a, she had to be reprimanded. That wasn't my business though. I was just her colleague, but, but you have to paint for your teachers. Like you have to be on time. You have to be prepared. This is what a great lesson looks like. And we do this every single day. And that's how we get to greatness. Right, based upon clear on what those behaviors are. Mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld, I just heard him in a podcast, you know, he's written every day for 41 years in a row, for one hour. That's what he does. And that's why he's great. It's like, because I'm consistent, because I was willing to put in the work. And I'll, because it's torturous. I hate it most days almost all days, but I do it because I don't want to break the chain. He, he uh, talks about breaking the chain and that's, you know, every single day he puts an X in a calendar and he never wants a blank spot, right? So what are those desired behaviors for you as a leader or you as the teacher or what you need to communicate to your teachers? What is it they need to do? And then teach them how to execute and communicate, communicate what execution looks like. And, and model it over and over again or, or show them examples. And this is kind of where the football part, you know, came in when they started talking about, you know, cleansing coach uh, Dabo Sweeney said that, you know, cleansing programs, our, our goal is to do the right thing the right way every time. And he's like, now we're not going to get there because no, nobody's ever going to be perfect, but we could certainly strive for at least that, do the right thing the right way every time. And when you go into a lot of schools and you've got, you know, this, you know, teacher teaching this way and that, you know, teacher that way. And this, you know, teacher says, oh, it's okay to keep your shirt untucked. And this one says, no, you have to have your shirt tucked in. It's like, you've just got so much all over the place. And the kids, you know, the kids are the ones that are getting confused. You know, the adults don't even really notice it, <laughs> but the right. kids are struggling. They're like, wait, am I supposed to like have a pencil out to write now? Cause last teacher said, I don't have to write every day. I mean, at our school, when I was at, you know, Chartered A school, I mean, there was a routine. It was crazy. And some, some folks thought we were nuts. But, I mean, every day, kids would, un, 
you know, middle school kids unpack their bag. We had, we had a luggage area. They needed five things out. They needed their, they needed their, uh, their uh, red and blue pens to grade. They needed their notebook, their uh, math book, their calculator. And I don't know, there was, oh, and their pencil, because all math was always to be done in pencil. That's it. Like, that's how every class started. Every single classroom across our school, if you walked K through eight, that's exactly what it was. Like, everybody did it the same. We did this routine over and over and over again. And I'm not saying that's what every school has to do. But these were norms, right? These were daily norms that every kid knew what was expected of them. And, and every teacher knew what was expected of them to make sure the kids did it. And then there was always a do it now activity right there on the board as the teacher walked around and looked at everybody's homework. I mean, there was just these constant routines. And we, we had that 90 minute block, like scripted out like to the minute, to the second. And every day you could walk through. And if you ever remember Sesame Street, Katie, and I'm you know, kind of aging myself here, but remember Sesame Street, there was like, one of these things doesn't look like the other, right? You had oh, to yeah, kind of find stand it. Out. Like, yeah. Yeah, you could do a K-8 walkthrough and you go, whoa, what's going on in here, right? Because all of a sudden it was so obvious that something was going on in that class that didn't look like the other one. And so, you know, that was our program. That's not your program. But you, but you want to be thinking of like, what are the daily, daily expectations, the daily activities? What are the daily things that we want our, that we want our teachers to execute? And I'm going to, I'm probably going to offend some people here, but um, Having the target, you know, behavior or like learning objective on the board, that's nice, but that's, those are just words, right? As soon as everybody said, well, yeah, we have norms. You have to write your, you have to write your expectation. I said, yeah, but what are they doing? I, I want to watch them actually do something and teach something. Is it ask questions or whatever it is, um, you know, to get there. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear from yeah. some, some of our participants. What are your daily expectations? What does that look like? you know, for your teachers? What are some of your non-negotiables? Unmute yourself yeah, and put what, it in the chat. What does pursue a mastery look like? Yeah, Cassie, be on time. Be on time. Right. That is, you know, my kids are learning I'm the here. value of that. <laughs> and my son <laughs> works on a job, you know, he's a, he's a woodworker. So he builds houses while he's in school. And he's like, mom, I learned, 15 minutes early because if you're you know any later than that you're late and I'm like yes and you will always have a job what does beyond time look like right does that mean walking through your door at 7 30 or does it mean you know being at your door to greet a scholar we greet scholars by shaking their hand looking them in the eye right I mean getting really really detailed and this is where that you know, painting the picture comes in right? as you're mm -hmm. watching and seeing, like, this is what I, you know, this is what I expect. Yeah, Cassie Chad clarified, said, she said, early is on time and on time is late. <laughs> Love right. it. And if you're, if you're late, don't bother coming. That's right. Yeah, so, so really, this is a really good opportunity, I think, for uh, you all. Maybe go into, you know, you know, if I were leading a school right now, I would probably spend time in my top two or three teachers classrooms and whether I would you know record them or what but I would I would um, I would write down everything they do and I think I would just get really really good because you know sometimes you know folks will say well Tom how did you stop you know gambling after doing it for 10 years straight well I just we well, didn't just anything there's a process right you had to think differently you had to change your expectations. You had to change your behaviors. You had to change the uh, people that you hung around with, right? You had to, you had to close out accounts. Like you had to lock yourself. I mean, there was all of these things. I didn't just anything. And your great teachers aren't just great teachers. They're great teachers, you know, based upon, you know, something that they do, some, some, some behavior that they have consistently that they execute flawlessly, right? And it's second nature to them. But you may have to observe them and watch it, right? And just start to pull, start to tweeze out the things that they do. And then maybe that starts to become your model, right? This is our model of execution. Don't say the person is the model for execution. I made that mistake. You know, just say, you know, these are the steps, right? These are the things that are the model for execution. And this is what we're all gonna try to pursue and get to. And now maybe they're part of the, you know, a training program. Right, you know, to help and to model and to give other teachers, um, you know, feedback. 
right? And if they're a good relationship, you know, people, then they could be, you could call them the model. I just made the mistake one time of saying everybody should teach like this person. And all of a sudden, everybody hated that person. So don't do that. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I think I like what Chad put here. I quit saying I'm too busy. You know, so mm -hmm. Chad, I'd love, how do you change that dialogue? Because I think, you know, especially now, every everybody is really busy. So how do we change that that response. I'd love to hear if you'd unmute yourself and you know, how do you get people to change from I'm too busy to how do I make that work? What can I do to make that work? So then we have Jennifer West who said you have to reform unnecessary and unhealthy behaviors, form new habits that align with your goals. Or I think sometimes people don't know that they're out of alignment. So I think you do have to raise that yeah. awareness. Listen, I just told you everybody, I thought I was functioning as a just, you know, functional person. I thought it was perfectly normal behavior to lie to people and, you know, just be awful. <laughs> right? And it's important that you that you know you know you do start to pull those out because I because I think that's really if you don't just like Katie said if you don't know that what you're doing is wrong, the only way you're going to become aware of it or you know to be aware of it is to become aware of it and someone's going to have to tell you. Someone's going to have to tell you, and that's your job as a leader. And sometimes if you build a culture that's comfortable, you know, with it, then you know people will, will you know tell each other. So this, so this, you know, quote about expectations um, that I just had dropped into the chat box, uh, you know, really, really hit on me, right? Because, because you know, the book talks about what's the difference between goals and expectations, and so this is from Mark Cole. Mark Cole is the president of all um, of the John Maxwell Enterprises, and he said, "You can't exceed expectations if you don't set expectations. You've got to have a quantifiable, measurable results in any area you want to grow in." When you have that and you put the disciplines to grow every day, you will see measurable results from what you're trying to accomplish over time, right? It's a breakthrough. It's a definition of a breakthrough. Good decisions over time eventually just lead. And all of a sudden, not, you know, gambling just, you know, became second nature. I never even thought about it anymore, right? And so I've put that same process into all other aspects of my life, my health and my wealth my relationships, like, you know, looking for mentors and, and just, this is what I desire to see. These are the behaviors that I desire to, you know, see and do. And that's what I started to execute, but I had to really study them. So that's what I would highly encourage you to do is to study your most effective teachers if you're not doing so. And maybe you're the most effective teacher in the school, which is awesome. So record yourself and then watch yourself, right? Or have, you know, someone watch you with you and be like, okay, what are all the things that I did? Like, oh, I mean, I mean, if you've ever said, oh, I didn't know that I did that, it's because it's habit. You don't know that you did that. It's just, you know, something you do, okay? And we've all, you know, uh, gotten to a point. And so the way to pursue mastery is to understand and, and define what mastery is. So then I can, right, raise the expectations to that goal because mastery is the goal. Mastery is the goal. Any thoughts on that? And anybody like, I, I'm not an expert in this. So, you know, if anybody has a different opinion, feel free to chime in too, right? What other ways to get there? That's how I would get there. Is that what other ways could we get to pursuing mastery? Yeah, I like how Joan kind of broke it down. She says, when it becomes second nature, teachers are not always able to define what it is that creates a great learning environment. So sometimes those great teachers can't tell you what they do because they just do it, right? So that's why it takes the leader to go in, observe it, break it down, communicate it to the rest of the team. And then I would go back to that teacher and say, okay, this is how I see what you're doing. What am I missing, right? Because I might, I might not understand every single step. Am I capturing that right, Joan? Does that, is that kind of your process? Yeah, absolutely. Um because I was in another conversation and I don't remember Tom if it was earlier this week, but um, we're looking at, you know, what do great teachers do well? And one of the conversations I had was as we made this shift from 
in person to online and back again? What pieces did you take that you did well, you know, that, that created high engagement? And a couple of my teachers looked at me and said, I don't know what it is that I do. So it's just a matter of getting in there and observing and saying, oh, here are some things that I see that you're doing that might help some of these teachers who don't have great engagement, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a critical piece. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, the book, um, uh, uh, you know, the first days of school, I mean, what do you think? He just kind of made that up, right? I mean, he, he probably watched, you know, thousands of teachers to come up with that, you know, structure. Uh, you know, Napoleon Hill, when he wrote Think and Grow Rich, he interviewed 25,000 of the most successful people in the world at the time. Like, their, you know, results leave clues. So identify who's your best at connecting with kids. Who's your best at, you know, getting, you know, academic growth? Like, it might not be the same person for all of it, but identifying, you know, like a wheel. I mean, if you could create a wheel of what are all the great, you know, qualities of a great teacher, and then think about which, which ones of my teachers meet all these qualities or just meet one quality and just watch them for that quality and just write it down. And then all of a sudden you have this avatar of, of this is what teachers need to do at our school. And then you align the training programs around those, you know, however many categories that you decide that it takes to get there. And it's like over and over training. It's not just one training in August. And then, you know, in September, nothing's working. And then you just give up on it, right? It has to be over time. Cool. So we're, we're going to finish up on these last, you know, couple of thoughts here, but, you know, this, you know, quote here, the way of mastery will require countless daily decisions on and off the field and long after you graduate from this school, right? I mean, you're, you're building mastery for life. I mean, you're, you know, um, a great leader is not just, you know, someone who makes an employee's work life better. It's somebody who creates a great extended life you know for anybody right just makes them great in all aspects of of uh, their life and so i just kind of put this question here where might we be putting pressure on others to execute on a skill or a task that they're incapable of doing at this time release people from their weaknesses everybody like if they're not good at something if they're not good at remote learning maybe you gotta take them off it maybe they're only doing in you know class learning and then if you got someone who's not as good as in class learning which you know joan actually shared you know with us this year she said i have a teacher that's crushing remote learning she wasn't really good face to face but she's crushing remote learning and so like who are those two or three teachers that are just doing really well at it and, and you know really finding ways to use your talents and your strengths of everybody you know the best to get to that that end goal while you're, you know, while you're working through this is just something that I would, you know, encourage you to do um, is to really identify where people are struggling. Can I, can I empower someone else, right? Can I pull that off of them? Can I put them in a position of more success? Sometimes in schools, we hire for the position, right? Or, or, or no, I'm sorry, we hire a person and then we just say, well, here's the job description. You got to do all these things. And the person's like, I've never done finances before. I didn't know. Okay, I'll I'll be the finance director. I guess so. And then you're wondering why nothing's right, right? Or you hire the data manager, and they've had very very little organization skills, and your power school is a mess. And you're and you're upset at the person. You should be upset at yourself for you know putting the person in that uh, position. So your homework, Katie, right, for this week is we're going to have them do paint a compelling picture of the future to help see the value to inherit, right? It's to really start to paint the picture. So whether you're a painting, you know, for your class, for your school as a whole, or maybe just a classroom, take, take some time this week, just really thinking through if my school was operating at its best level, right, COVID or no COVID, doesn't matter. Uh, what would it look like? And just write it out. Just start journaling it out every day this week. And by next Monday, you'll have an unbelievable outline of what you think your school should be. And now you've got this mental model of a perfection that you can start lining up. Or maybe you just want to start small, which is awesome. Start with a classroom teacher and start really thinking through all the classroom teachers I have, who were the best at these you know, qualities. And I just, I'm, I'm just going to watch them. I'm going to see what they do and just write down the the probably things that they take for granted 
and that are really making a difference, right? Like when they ask you some, how come you always have such great relationships with the kids? Oh, I don't know. I just talk to them and ask them questions and I care for them. You know, I don't know. I don't know. You know, they don't know because they're just relationship building people. But someone's going to have to pull that out of them to really observe them and see what they're doing. And then how can I help my, you know, the rest of my staff, you know, do these, these things. So any last thoughts, Katie? Yeah, you know, I think it would, by raising the awareness of your team of what they do really well, because I know for me, I, uh, I love to create really creative lesson plans and get my kids doing really cool projects. And I just thought everybody did that. And so when I remember talking to my boss and she was just like, man, this guy's class is just so deadly boring. I was like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm sure his lessons are great. She's like, no, they're awful. And so she had me work with him that, to, you know, try to make his lessons more engaging so the students would actually want to learn. And, and I was like, but, but I just thought everybody was like that. So and I think everybody assumes that everybody else is great at what we're great at. Um, and so I, by helping your teachers say like, no, this is what you're really good at. I, I appreciate that. Then they, they know they're not expected to be great at everything that you're, you know, this is what they're really good at. And then people know who they can go to like, oh, that's the person who's really good at tech. That's the person who's really good at uh, standards alignment. You know, that's the person really good with data. I, and, you know, then you build a really strong team. Yeah, that's right. Well, cool. So everybody, next Monday is uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, day that we'll be celebrating, but we'll, you know, we'll still have a session. They'll probably do it in the morning or something. I'll have to look, or maybe we'll do like a lunchtime. And again, if you're not on live, it's okay. Uh, everything will be recorded and archived. But we're going to focus on owning the numbers, you know, next week, and we'll do a little bit of celebration towards uh, Dr. King. And then I'm also going to be, uh, I think we've chosen next, next month's book, or we have chosen next month's book. It's called No Fail Communication. So look, look uh, for that opportunity for you to sign up. It'll be the same thing. It's com com uh, completely free for you. Uh, but No Fail Communication by Michael Hyatt. Um, it's, it's, you know, seeing that we're getting into this communication part of the book now, right? The best way to execute strategy is that understanding communication is the oxygen to execute that strategy. How do we um, and I love this book, Katie, because it, it really gets clear on how do we communicate expectations? How do we, uh, how do we communicate vision to others? How do we communicate um, and empower, you know, people to carry out tasks? And Michael mm -hmm. Hyatt's got some really great tools that come with that book uh, when you buy it. And I, 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 I don't think it's on Amazon. It's not. I just buy looked. It through, <laughs> yeah. So in the link that will come to you, there's a link there. But when you buy it, you know, you'll be able to download all these, you know, free tools. And otherwise, if you don't buy the book, you don't have to, if you don't want to, um, I'll be giving you the tools anyway. So, uh, but anyway, that's uh, going to be our February book is called No Fail Communication. And um, looking forward to that and looking forward to our session uh, next week. So I'll probably kind of maybe, you know, poll everybody, but, uh, you know, you know, we all got families and it's a day off, you know, for you. So I want to be respectful of that and obviously respectful to uh, 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 Dr. King. So we will speak leadership and uh, look, uh, look for that change probably um, sometime in the morning on the 18th. So thanks everybody. Have a great week and go pursue mastery. Go to it. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. <laughs>